I'm so excited to be here this evening to share from the Word of God. To be honest, I was not so much when Pastor Jeremy asked me a couple weeks ago. <laughs> because uh, he asked me to continue the series that we're in right now, the uh, Beatitudes, uh, uh, Let It uh, Rain series that Pastor Jeremy has been leading in an amazing way with timely messages and direction that we've been receiving every Sunday. So uh, I was kind of worried. And also the words he asked me to continue with is this Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It seemed very straightforward words. There's not much I can speak for the next two hours on. Um, it's pretty much uh, Jesus trying to say, be nice. That's the title and the sermon in itself. So I was kind of worried. But then I remember a story I heard in uh, India growing up. There was this little boy who was really uh, not really good with coming up with an essay if he was given in a test to write about. So he always had, uh, he came up with this idea to have this safety topic that he was good at, and it was tiger. And if in the test any other topic was given, he would somehow try to connect it back to tiger. So for example, if he was asked to write about Taj Mahal, he would be like, uh, our family was going to Taj Mahal on the way, we passed the jungle, we saw a tiger, and tiger has two eyes, four legs, black stripes, and blah, blah, blah. Anything. Uh, write about the school library. You would be like, uh, our school library is huge, a lot of books. I fell asleep reading one, and then I saw a dream about tiger, and <laughs> lo and behold, tiger has two eyes, four legs, and all that stuff, right? So I was trying to find that connection for me that I can relate to to this verse. And I did find mercy is my, mo my mom's name. So I can speak hours about my mom. So <laughs> here we go. My mom, Mercy, was born in 1951 in a small town in the state of Andhra Pradesh in India. Beautiful baby, talented girl. Let me fast forward a little bit. Went to school, college, got married, had a son, and then she really prayed hard. God blessed her with a second son. She named her him David. <laughs> but seriously, uh, not gonna do that. Um, I, I actually really owe to my parents for sowing the seeds of gospel in my heart right from a tender age. And uh, they've been a great role model to me and my brother uh, how to be passionate for the Lord and how to be compassion, compassionate for others. Uh, I'm saying all that because first thing it is true, and second thing is uh, in a couple of hours they're going to wake up in India and they're going to watch this thanks to Alan's ministry. They're going to watch this online. So there you go mom and dad. Um, but while I was preparing for this uh, sermon, God was really convicting in my heart about so many things. Uh, hopefully I can share that meaningfully to you, to you all. Uh, let's uh, look up to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to speak to us. Loving Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for this time, Lord. Even in the chaos that's going on around us in this world, we have this safety and protection of your tender mercies that we can look up to. Lord, we want you to speak to us individually. As you spoke to your disciples and the many people back in, when you were giving the Sermon on the Mount, we want to hear you. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just as a background to the contest, what was happening was in those days when Jesus came onto this earth and started his ministry, 
the Israelites, including the disciples themselves, were expecting God to send a Messiah who would come and free them from the tyranny of Roman Empire. And he would establish an earthly kingdom. And then God would bless them with power and prosperity on this earth. But Jesus comes and talks about this kingdom of heaven. And all this about uh, being meek and being poor in spirit, being humble, uh, being thirsty and hunger for righteousness sake. It's totally different from, from what they were expecting. And by the time he comes to this verse, in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. He's trying to tell them through the word merciful to be compassionate, to be kind, to have pity on people. Just to illustrate a little bit more, let me uh, tell you a story from the, uh, the great commander and emperor Napoleon Bonaparte. He was approached one day by a woman who was begging and pleading for mercy to spare the son's life. Her son was caught in a crime that was punishable by death, and here she was begging for mercy for his life. And Napoleon Bonaparte tells her, justice must be served. Your son deserves to die. Your son does not deserve mercy. And the poor woman answered, sir, you're right. It would not be mercy if he deserved it. And that's exactly what mercy means. The emperor was touched by this woman's reply that he pardoned her son. But that's exactly what God did for us on the cross. He didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us mercy. And David writes that, uh, writes about that in Psalm 103, the popular psalm that everybody knows by heart, I guess. Let me read through that. I'm um, reading Psalm 103, verses 2 to 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's gospel right there. God forgave us all our sins, every one of them. And then it goes on to say in 8th and 10th verses, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. And that is mercy right there. He did not punish us the way we deserved. We rightly deserved if he was to judge us for all the sins that we were in. He forgave us. If he were to judge me and you, we wouldn't be here, right? But he gave us mercy. And then it goes on in the 11th and 12th verses. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He has removed our transgressions, our sin from us. It's not like physically removing sin because we know we get tempted once in a while. But he removed the account. Our account has been cleared. The debt of sin has been removed from our account. As far as east is from the west. They never meet, right? East and west, they go in different directions. 
And that's how far God has removed our sins from us. But to be honest, sometimes uh, I, I suddenly remember something in the past, from the past. I feel guilty about something that I've done in the past, some sin. Sometimes we are our own worst enemies when it comes to self-condemnation, right? We are filled with regret. I feel like, oh, we messed up. And it's not even recent. It's like far away. And remember, that's from our enemy, the Satan, who is the accuser of our faith. He tries to pull us down, accusing us. But here, the worst is so clear. God has shown mercy. He has forgiven us all our sins, every one of them. And he separated all of them as far as east is from west. Our sin is not greater than mercy of God. Let me repeat that. Our sin is not greater than God's mercy. He is merciful. And if you read further down in thir uh, 12, uh, 13 and 14, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. His mercy is that of a father towards his child who is messed up. Whenever our children come to us asking forgiveness or apologizing, we're so tender-hearted towards them. We forgive them instantly. The same thing with God, our Heavenly Father. And Jesus illustrates that beautifully in a story we all know um, called Parable of Lost Son, a.k.a. Prodigal Son. Right? In uh, Luke's Gospel, 15th chapter, 11 to 32, Jesus here is explaining about a father whose son was lost in sin and how he shows him mercy when he comes back. You all know the story. There's a father who had two sons, and the youngest comes to him one day and demands to be given his portion of his inheritance, which he would have gotten anyway uh, once the father dies, right? But the son was so greedy, he couldn't wait. He wanted his money, or his father's money, actually, now. And um, the father grants him his request. He gives his portion. He probably got half of the estate, if not one-third, at least, according to the Jewish law for the second son. And it's probably a substantial amount because the father was well-to-do. He had hired servants. He had done well for himself. So this son takes all this money, he goes to a faraway country, and spends it all away in uh, wild living. Probably went to some place like Vegas, right? Yeah. And he spent it all away. So he, he basically becomes bankrupt. He lost all his money, lost all his friends, and soon he lost his dignity. And he finds himself working for a man, taking care of pigs. And he sees the food that the pigs are eating, and he's like, I want to eat that. He's gone to that kind of situation. He's, he's in a big mess. He's completely bankrupt. And then he comes to his senses and he realizes his mistake. And he thinks about going back to his father. And he does. He's on his way back. And his father, let's see, and uh, I'm looking at Luke. 15th chapter, 20th verse. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. His father doesn't know what the son is thinking, right? That this particular day the son is going to be back. 
So he's probably looking after to look if his son is going to come back the day the son left. He's longing with love and mercy for the son to return. And even when the son was far away, imagine this guy has lost everything. He's in shambles. He's in a mess. And he's probably not even looking as princely as he left from the father. But the father's love is so much, he's full of compassion, he sees and recognizes his son from far off. And let's see what he does. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So the son is messed up. He's looking really shabby. He's probably smelling off the pigs. But the, son, the father doesn't care. He's full of compassion. He comes running, holds him, hugs him. And this is what he says. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That is the Father's mercy. And it's exactly what the Lord did for us on the cross. We were spiritually bankrupt. We were stinking with sin. We were in rags of unrighteousness. But Jesus took our place on the cross. He put on us a new robe of righteousness and took upon himself our rags of unrighteousness. And he paid our penalty that we deserve to pay. God showed us mercy on the cross of Calvary. And we got the blessing to be called the sons and daughters of Heavenly Father. We are called the prince and princess of the King of Kings. Imagine we were down in dirt with the pigs. God pulled us out of that and made us prince and princess. And it's not a one-time thing, you know. It's not like sometimes, someday, we got forgiven. And uh, But every day, once in a while, we face temptations. And sometimes we do fall. But God renews his mercies every day. He could punish us every day, right? He can zap us with lightning, thunder right there. Finishes off ten times over for me in one day. But God is so merciful. In Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, it says this. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's almost like if you were to fall into sin, it's like the son who got uh, God's mercy, his father's mercy, got forgiveness. He's working with his father in the farm. He goes by the barn of the pigs. Imagine if he were to see, he's like, ah, oh, I used to hang out with these guys. Oh, I wish I can fall in the dirt a little bit, you know, taste some of the husks they're eating. That's exactly if he were to fall into sin again. Tasting God's mercy and trying to play with fire, fall in temptation and sin. But God is so merciful. He renews his mercies every day. Just as a side note, uh, in our Indian fellowship we have every Friday, uh, we're going through the book of Revelation. We're going through the, the seven trumpets, seven bowls, seven uh, 
seals and we're seeing God's judgment that's going to be poured out. I know we're in this time of God's mercy, but there will be a day of judgment. I don't want to need to burst the bubble of happiness right now, but that is the truth. We need to be ready to face that. And these mercies that God is showering on us each day is new opportunities for us to draw closer to Him, to fix our ways, to yield to Holy Spirit, to walk in His, his ways, and follow the example that Christ set for us. Just as a side note, let's come back to the story of this prodigal son. In the same house, the father has an older son who's seen the God uh, Father showing His mercies and forgiveness. But he's not able to share the same heart, same merciful heart the father has. He's not able to forgive. He's overcome with anger, bitterness, judgmental attitude. He's not ready to forgive his younger brother. And unfortunately, it's true about Christians sometimes. We have tasted God's mercy ourselves, but we're not able to be channels of God's mercy to others. God wants us to be conduits of mercy to others. We need to be forgiving. There's another instance in Matthew 18th chapter when Peter comes to Jesus and asks him an important question. Matthew's Gospel, 18th chapter, 21st verse. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times and Jesus answers I do not say to you up to seven times but up to seventy times seven here Peter is asking about forgiving his brother like a brother and sister in Christ it's not about somebody from outside especially forgiving our own brother and sister in Christ sometimes that's tough for some believers and what does Christ say he says don't count the number of times your brother is offending. You should forgive every time. That's basically what he's saying here. And he then explains this whole thing in the form of a parable about this unforgiving servant. Basically, the story is there's a king, and he wanted to settle all his accounts with all the servants he has. And he finds a servant who rigged up like a lot of debt. In New Living Translation, it says millions of dollars. It's equal. It's not dollars back then, but you know, that's what New Living Translation paraphrased it to be. But it's a lot of money. And this servant falls on his face in front of the king, and he apologizes and begs for mercy and asks for more time, and that he promised he would re repay the debt if he had more time. Let's read the verse 27. What the king says. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Wait a minute. He just did not extend the time. He actually forgave the whole debt. So all these millions of dollars, he doesn't have to pay at all. That's more than he begged for. The king showed immense amount of mercy, of compassion to this man. But this guy, he walks out of the king's court, goes out, finds a fellow servant who owed him some thousand dollars and he catches him by throat and he demands him to pay right away. And this co-servant, uh, his colleague, falls on his face and he's asking for more time. The same thing that this man 
as the king. And instead of continuing or being a conduit of mercy he just received from the king, he put this co-servant in the jail until he would repay his debt. And the king finds out. And the verse uh, 32 and 33 says, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity for you? In ESV it says, Should you not have mercy? The word compassionate and pity is the same as mercy. Basically, the king is saying, I showed you mercy for this huge amount of debt, and you couldn't forgive somebody for a smaller amount? This is exactly what happened to us on the cross. God forgave us for this huge amount of sin, and we as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, we are asked to forgive for a smaller amount than our brothers and sisters in Christ sin against us or offend us. We need to be ready to share the compassion that God has shown us. That's exactly what in Matthew's Gospel we see, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. In Luke's Gospel, sixth chapter, Jesus says again, therefore be merciful just as your father is also is merciful. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. It's a reciprocatory action. We need to be merciful just as we have received mercy from our Father. The words in the Beatitudes seems very encouraging and very uh, blessing. But also it sounds like an indirect threat. Right? Jesus is saying, bless are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you're merciful, you'll obtain mercy. Right? And that's why it's written in James, second chapter, 13th verse. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. We have to be merciful. We need to be conduits of God's mercy. Share God's love and grace to others. Being merciful means forgiving others. And also it means sharing kindness and compassion. Thank you, Mary. And I'm so proud of our church. We've been so compassionate during these tough times especially. Reaching out to people in need. The care ministry has been do, doing a fabulous job in uh, taking baked goods for first responders. Uh, we have this $100 gift cards that the members have been given to share with anybody the Spirit of God moves them to to share God's mercy or even the COVID fund helping out people in need that's amazing that's that's all what is God expecting us of sharing God's mercy and kindness to people in need another aspect of being merciful is not being judgmental the opposite of being merciful we have to be careful we should not be judgmental I get it, we should be careful, uh, especially in these times of political turmoils or um, all these polarizing issues that are happening in the news that they put fodder um, to all the splits. And Satan uses all this to create confusion and division in churches. 
And even in our uh, in many churches, there's a lot of division. We have to be careful about this. We need to be compassionate. We need to be not be judgmental about things that are not spiritual or scriptural. We we have to be judge uh, judging sometimes. Like for example, if somebody comes to our door and knocks at the door and invites us to join their cult, like Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, we need to judge if it is if they're scriptural or not. Uh, or if some prosperity teacher on the TV promises all the blessings if we send him a check so he can buy another jet for himself or something, right? We need to judge if it is truly from the Lord or not. Just like the Berians were in Acts 17 when Paul or Silas or Barnabas came to speak, share from the Word of God, they were very careful discerning if it was truly according to Scripture. That is discerning. We need to be careful to judge those kind of things which are scriptural and biblical. But if you're here thinking that, man, this guy is not as funny as Pastor Jeremy, or, <laughs> or if you're thinking he's not real like Brad Walter or deep like Steve Gadd, I tell you, don't be judgmental. <laughs> That's superficial. <laughs> but by all means, um, judge if what I'm sharing is according to the scripture. We need to do that every time. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, when two or three prophesy, the rest of the congregation need to judge if it is led by the spirit, if it is actually according to the scripture. And we need to do that. God has called us to do that. But let me be real, and I'm including myself. Some of us you get on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, TikTok, whatever these new apps are that people stalk others, I mean uh, follow others, <laughs> right? And we see different posts and uh, some pictures and stuff like that and we start to judge without knowing the background or context. We need to be careful. We need to refrain from all hypocritical, superficial, self-righteous, shallow, judgmental attitude. We need to be merciful. We need to share the mercy that God has showered on us to our own brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be united, one in spirit. Let me share a story about a merchant from India. He has a prosperous business of uh, exporting crabs to different countries. He has customers all over. One day he got a call from this angry customer who demanded his money back. He said, the shipment you sent, the box that I got my crabs in, didn't have a lid. It was not closed. I don't know how many crabs have escaped from the box. I don't know if I received all the order that I, I put in. I need my money back. This Indian merchant said, sir, don't worry about it. These are Indian crabs. Every time one of the crabs tries to escape out, the rest of the crabs pull it down. <laughs> I can't vouch for the veracity of the story, but the message is pretty clear and deep. We need to be careful not to bring our brothers and sisters down. We need to be like true Christians, building one another up, showing God's mercy. Let me close with this passage in Colossians 3rd chapter, verses 12 to 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, 
humility meekness and long suffering bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another even as Christ forgave you so you almost also must do but about all things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body of Christ and be thankful we as followers followers of Christ we need to bear all these characteristics that have been listed out these have been perfectly exemplified in the life of Christ himself and we need to be imitators of Christ as we are becoming uh, molded into his image we need to yield to the Spirit of God so when people see us they need to see Jesus we need to share the mercy of God and as a church we've been called to be body of Christ we are connected together we are interconnected we are depending on one another we need to bear one another and build one another up and let us channel the mercy of God to one another let's close in prayer loving Heavenly Father Lord we want to thank you and praise you for your mercy Lord endures forever Lord Lord you didn't punish us the way we deserve Lord instead you showered on us great amount of mercies Lord or help us to extend the same to others Lord even as we are continuing in this prayerful attitude I want to extend the call of mercy to those who haven't received Christ as their Savior if there's anybody who's not experienced that I encourage you to receive Jesus as a Savior to put away all that guilt and self-condemnation onto the cross and ask God for his forgiveness Lord, if there is anybody who's prayed that prayer, Lord, we pray that you would answer them. We know you have already paid the penalty for their sins. And we thank you for that. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.